Wave pool technology is progressing at a rapid rate, and commercially surfable wave pools are opening around the world. Welcome to the Wave Pool Mag podcast. My name is Nick Robinson, and through my guests, we take a detailed look at this fascinating new game. Check us out on wavepoolmag.com. For your curiosity and stuff. Welcome to the Wave Pool Mag Podcast. My name is Nick Robinson and I'm back with Matt Gunn from Swell MFG. Swell MFG is a tech, a wave tech company. If you haven't heard from them, you'll hear all about them right now. So Matt Gunn, Shane Bashan, and John Bushy are the men and the brains behind this concept. And we'll hear all about how it started. But I just wanted to say that, that Swell Manufacturing is owned and operated exclusively by engineers and lifelong surfers. This is from their website. Right? Offering the best experience possible in artificial surfing for all types and level of surfers in self-expression on a wave. Connecting technology and high-performance surfing with a unique surf lifestyle experience unlike any other. They're just about to launch a wave pool in Mesa in Arizona. That'll be next year. So it'll be quite exciting to see this technology come out. And then obviously they'll probably roll it out around the world to, to other wave pools. But it's interesting to see Swell MFG joining the wave pool race, along with the likes of Wave Garden, Surf Lock, Surf Lakes, Endless Surf from White Water, of course, and I'm sure there's many others bubbling up on the down low. Anyway, it's great chatting to Matt, and you can find out more information about his product on swellmfg.com. Let's just jump in here and thank our sponsors. Endless Surf brings the next generation of powerful, efficient, and customizable waves to the world of inland surfing. The most versatile technology on the market today, Endless Surf allows surf parks to generate waves only when and where they're needed. The unique heart-shaped design maximizes beachfront and allows both experts and intermediates to enjoy the same session in a more natural surf setting. Backed by four decades of expertise in aquatic engineering, design management and master planning, Whitewater's Endless Surf holds a solid reputation for mastering the thousands of details each project faces. Trust Endless Surf to power your project to commercial viability. Wavepool Mag is proud for them to support us here in the podcast. So check them out on www.endlesssurf.com. Matt Gunn, thank you so much for coming on to the Wavepool Mag podcast. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, Nick. Thanks for having me on. Ah, it's a pleasure. I'm dying to hear all about Swell MFG. Yeah, excited to uh, share with you and, and chat today. So I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. So let's let's go back to a little bit of personal stuff. So where are you at right now? And uh, was that your birthplace? Yeah, so I'm in Phoenix, Arizona right now. Um, but you know, I've been here for, we've been here for quite a few years now. Um, so it's pretty much home. Feels like home now in a way. Um, but I grew up in Los Angeles area in uh, Ventura County, Thousand Oaks. So um, that'll always be uh, home as well. But um, that's where I'm from. So Ventura County is smack bang in the middle of LA, right? Uh, it is just north of LA. So it's a, it's a great spot. You know, it's just enough out of the hustle and bustle city north, but uh, you can jet into the city super easy. Um, so it's, it's a great spot. Okay, because a lot of us obviously around the world are not familiar with California at all, um, just from movies. So what's it really like down there? I mean, it must be pretty crazy being born in the 
and the sort of movie capital of the world. Yeah, it's kind of funny uh, growing up in the L.A. area because you just don't really think twice about it. Uh, you know, you'll see different uh, actors and people, but um, it just, you know, kind of happenstance, right? Because it's every day. Um, but living up in Ventura County is a little bit different just because you're outside of L.A. And uh, Ventura is a little bit more laid back. Um, it was now this is back in the 90s. So I haven't I haven't lived there for a while, but um, there's a lot less hustle um, than L.A. and Orange County in Ventura. So it's very, very different in a way. And when you say laid back, I immediately think of a bunch of surfers hanging out there as well. And so was, was surfing <laughs> a part of the culture? Yeah, definitely. So like, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because back in the 90s, you know, there's there's great surf scene there. And I mean, there's a lot of talent that's come out of Ventura. Um, but, uh, you know, you pretty much wore a, a, a black wetsuit, a black leash and a white board. And anything else, you, you got some interesting glares. You can't wear right. bright colors <laughs> like in Orange County, you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, it was very much, much more of a laid back scene and and more quiet. Um, it's it's definitely changed over the years. Now it's um, much much more hustling and it's a lot more crowded, uh, like most of LA has become. And the world over, I mean, even here in Portugal as well. So a lot of hustle out in the lineup. But um, do you remember that? the day you started surfing and, and, and who introduced you to it and how did it go? Um, you know, I think, yeah, I, I think for me it was more of a progressive experience than I remember rather than, you know, a day. Um, cause growing up in the area we spent, my family, we spent a lot of time at the beach and in the water, but I didn't really start surfing until I was about 16. And, um, I still remember, uh, saving, saving my pennies and, Picking up my first board, it was an old wave riding vehicles board. Uh, I, I, if I went back and looked, I wish I still had it. You know, that's one thing. Anyone who's listening is, has your surf your first surfboard. You know, keep it right. <laughs> Don't get yeah. rid of that thing. But um, I started surfing with some family friends that lived near us, and my dad had surfed back in the '70s and had gotten out of it. So when he when he saw my passion taking forward, he, he jumped back in, which was really cool. Um, and started surfing with me. So I just, I just remember, uh, you know, I loved being out in the water surfing with my dad and, uh, friends and just that nervous excitement, you know, you get when a, a good set would come, right. Especially when you're not sure when you're learning, if you're going to get pounded or not. Um, then so I, yeah. I just still vividly remember though, catching those first, you know, real waves, getting to your feet and locking in on a high line. It's just the best feeling ever. And I was, I just remember being hooked instantly, right? First wave. Yeah, I think, you know, millions of people around the world have experienced the same thing. I mean, surfing is so much like a drug, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, definitely gets the endorphins running. It's that nervous excitement, right? Um, not really knowing what you're going to get, what's coming. Um, it's that nervous excitement you get in the water. It's, it's definitely addicting. So have you been on any dedicated surf trips? Um, yeah, so I've had, I've had actually a lot of opportunities to travel, um, which has been, uh, a, a real blessing. Um, kind of one of the most interesting probably was I, I found myself at travel on business in Tel Aviv and, and actually scored some waves while there. Um, so I've, I've been able to surf in some pretty fun places. I think though, like if I think about most memorable trip, I'd, I'd probably say the most memorable magical was, uh, in Indonesia. Um, I, it doesn't get much better than that, right? So my um, 
it was a trip a while ago, but it was definitely magical. And, you know, my brother, my youngest brothers had, uh, there's four of us brothers and one sister. And, uh, so my younger brothers had figured out that if we planned a really rad surf trip, then my dad would take us and pay for it because he'd want to go. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we're a good, we're a great entourage, you know, but, uh, so my, my brothers researched a boat out in Southern Indo off of Rhodey and my dad was stoked on the trip. So we went, uh, I, I still remember him looking over the trip and saying, I, I think we can actually do this. Um, so we were of course, unbelievably stoked and it was an amazing trip over a couple of weeks. Um, surfing on different, you know, smaller outer island breaks and finding new spots with no one around, just the five of us surfing solo. And that was uh, pretty fun. We're, we're pretty competitive with each other. So there was still some good snaking going on, but it's an all good fun. <laughs> that <laughs> but, sounds uh, like you, a dream trip. It's amazing. Yeah. You just didn't drop in on dad. You know, that was the one thing <laughs> you, know, you didn't drop in on dad. You always let dad go through. Oh, excellent. Mm. <laughs> good to be the dad so were there no like coral lacerations and uh any injuries there uh, yeah there was definitely some refresh going on and some broken sticks um but uh nothing nothing major you know when it uh during the i remember during the trip our uh our skipper one day you know he looks at us it had been like solid head high a few feet overhead all week and he looks at us and he says well we're boys we're getting rid of this flat spell starting tomorrow and we just all look at each other like this is flat <laughs> and uh sure enough man within two days it was like it was like triple overhead plus you know and just reeling but um so when it got that big we we found some other corners and some uh you know not so often breaking waves that were still like double overhead and we were we were having a good time and getting wrapped pretty good. So it was fun. Wow, sounds epic. But um, obviously when you, I don't know about you, but um, for sure when I was a kid surfing, I was dreaming about the perfect wave, the perfect wave. And then I don't know how, but kind of heard these rumors like, what if a machine could make a wave and it would be so consistent? Did you ever have those thoughts as a kid? Yeah, definitely, right? Uh, I think we all... Um you know, grew up drawing uh, perfect waves on our folders and in, in high school and thinking about perfect waves, right? You have this vision in your head of when you get to the, when you get to your spot to surf in the morning that uh, you see these, you know, perfect peelers reeling down the line, right? Absolutely. So how did you get to work in artificial wave technology? Because I mean, that's the next step. I mean, a lot of people just carry on doodling on their, on their pads and other people go and do something about it. So how did, how did you, how did you find yourself in the space? Let's have the, the long story. Yeah. Gosh, the long story. It is a long story too. <laughs> it takes a long time <laughs> to put these things together. Um, but I, I guess, I suppose I wouldn't have it in any other way. Uh, it's been a great journey. And I think, um, the first, you know, the initial spark for me was really after my wife and I moved to Arizona and moving to Arizona really was one of the last places I thought I'd ever live. Um, and being off the coast. And so I guess, I guess I could say the first spark was out of necessity and probably more selfish, uh, starting out, you know, I, I wanted to surf, right. And I was for sure a, a fish out of water, um, in Arizona. And that was tough being away from the coast. Um, you know, even though I, f I felt it was right to be in Arizona, it fit for us and it was where we're, we needed to be. And we knew that, but it was definitely difficult being away, um, away from the water. 
And, you know, but in Phoenix here, you know, we can hit uh, mainland Mexico pretty easy heading south. Uh, mountains a few hours to the north, some good snowboarding and riding there. And I could be in trestles in about a six hour drive. So it wasn't 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 bad. I was up for the challenge, something a little different. Um, but, uh, you know, if we're, after living here, not not long after living here, um, this place really just needed a, a sur- you know, surf spot to scratch the itch more often be in better shape for traveling. Um, I think it's probably the most difficult part about living away from the ocean is just keeping up that paddle power. So you don't get annihilated the first days of a trip. I think ever since I've moved here, that's been pretty humbling. Uh, those, the first day on a trip is uh, pretty sour, but, um, you know, oddly enough, a, a good friend of mine that I grew up with, um, when I was mentioning friends I used to surf with all the time, Sterling, uh, he ended up married an Arizona girl and we happened to move next to each other in the same town completely at random. So we were both in the same boat together. You know, his family was on the North shore, Hawaii. Um, they had opened up a, re- a restaurant, seven brothers and my family was still in California. So all our brothers were surfing and, and Sterling and I used to sit and talk about how badly we needed surf in Arizona. So I think that's really where the itch started about, you know, 15 years ago, believe it or not. What about Tempe? Didn't that scratch the itch? The Tempe wave pool? Oh, yeah, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. Uh, it's that big surf there. And I've, I've been in that pool and surfed it. Uh, it's pretty nostalgic, you know, to be in the water over there in this pool built in the what, late 60s, early 70s. Uh, big surf in its heyday was the spot in Arizona. Um, and I mean, there's I run into guys all the time today that find out what we're doing and are so stoked on it. And they just go into these old stories of big surf, you know, in, in Tempe back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, in the late mid 80s, I think, is when they turned it into more of a water park and, in my opinion, ruined it. <laughs> right. So um, but it was the, it was the place to go. It was the place to be. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so let's get back. So um, we're talking about how you get into idle facial wave technology, and then you're living next door to, is it a colleague? Um, so I was just, you know, just a good friend of mine uh, that I lived, yeah. I lived near. That, you know, we grew up surfing together. We grew up traveling to Mexico every summer, and um, we, you know, we grew up surfing together. And um, it was so, we, you know, we found ourselves here, and um, I looked at him, and I just said, you know, I, I just decided that I wanted to see if I could do this, right? I just want to see if I could do it. So um, there wasn't much out there at the time for good artificial waves. And some of the things that were coming out were really fresh. You know, this is about 2005. There was uh, some talk about a uh, wave yard uh, facility coming here to Tempe. Um, I think at the time they were planning on using Murphy's waves or some type of water drop they were, they were designing. And so I just started doing some research. Um, I called, called my buddy Sterling and I said, Hey, I got this crazy idea. Um, let's see if we can, I want to figure out if I can make waves. And he said, I'm in. And I then said, okay, great. Can I use your yard <laughs> to, uh, to test some stuff? And he was, he was of course all in and our wives being super cool, just, you know, rolled their eyes at us and we went for it. So uh, it was pretty comical at first figuring out so, the hydrodynamics of water and, you know, playing in the yard, building some, some reefs and 
we ended up making some killer little two and a half inch peelers. And I think that's when my mind was made up, like, I'm going to do this. But are you an engineer by trade? I'm not, but I've, I've always been a, a tinker and a thinker, as I call it. So I've, I've just, you know, I tend to always build things myself and construction and, you know, I, I do all those things kind of on my own. And so I've, I've always had that knack for it. Um, when I first started out, I would just started out making the reefs. And so we were using really rudimentary wave making for it. So I, I knew at some point I would, you know, need to find an engineer that would be able to support me and join me um, on the wave making side. So how did you get from making holes in your backyard with a bit of water to to getting an engineer? Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, you know, after after kicking the idea around for a while making reefs, then I began looking for the right wave maker. And, you know, through a lot of research and a lot of review, I ended up partnering with uh, John Bushy who's the soil manufacturing wave designer now. And um, John had, uh, he had designed numerous wave makers through a long career. And after we connected, began talking shop. Um, he was interested in how I was designing the reefs and making water do what it was doing. After I showed a video of our small uh, models, and I was blown away by the wave makers he was showing me. Um, so it really was a perfect match. And we put the two together. So I, I guess in all, it's a combination of the reef guy and the wave maker guy. Um, yeah, the, the story is much longer than that as, over the years of how we connected and all of those little details. But um, it really was a really was a perfect perfect match taking his engineering background and experience and my surf knowledge and uh, you know testing of different reefs and waves and in and, and basins, seeing what currents do and all of those good things. And then I guess another level must have been achieved when Shane Beshin joined the team. That must have been quite a big coup. How, how did you get him on board? Yeah, you know, Shane is an amazing partner. Um, obviously, he's such a talented surfer, uh, so smooth and fluid, but, uh, you know, so much more than a, a surfer, right? Um, he's got this amazing creative sense and his focus and drive really just matched that of John and I. Um, so it's, it's, it's so critical to have the right partners and be aligned in vision. And we were unbelievably stoked to find that in Shane. Um, I, I really can't take all the credit though for Shane joining Swell Manufacturing because, you know, we, we connected through a mutual friend. It was, it was actually another of the seven brothers. <laughs> so we're, we're like this well-connected family, right? We're, we call each other aunties and uncles and, you know, um, but Shem was uh, visiting Arizona from the North shore and he was visiting, visiting over here. We were at our house and we were out, out back at the time I had a, a 10, 10 to one scale model in my yard. Um, so my poor wife, she's put up and we so good. I've been building models and digging up our yard for years, but <laughs> we were, um, we were out playing in the model in the backyard and, you know, making different waves. And he was just fully frothing over the waves and started just telling everybody, you know, he was, he was just amped on it. And it, so it wasn't long after he went home, uh, that he told Shane, they were neighbors at the time and told Shane and connected us. And, um, so there we were, you know, a couple of months later, uh, with Shane and sitting on my couch and talking surf in Arizona and playing with waves in the backyard. So it was a real, it was a real trip. Um, we spent, 
and we spent a lot of time comparing uh, reef drawings and talking shop and and playing with waves. And it it was about um, a year later that Shane formally joined us as we were working through a lot of things. But um, I knew right away when he visited Arizona that he'd be joining Swell Manufacturing because it was just the right fit. Uh, it was a great fit. But it's a tough business to be in as the, as the lead time on each project or on, on creating the wave is so long. I mean, how did you manage to fund development of the, of the product? Did you head over to downtown LA and pitch a thousand funds? I definitely thought about it, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Um, especially early on, you know, I've, I've been doing this for and working towards this for 10 plus years and so at the beginning of it, um, you know, surf parks wasn't much of a blip on the radar, probably felt more like the 80s before we really had good skate parks, you know, mm-hmm. now they're everywhere. Um, but um, and it's it's it were you know, we self-funded 100 percent over the years. Um, so that's had its fair share of disappointments along the way and and different points of failure. But um, it's had a lot of highlights to it as well. And um I think it's, it's taken us many years to get um, to get to that to this point, and we've had our fair share of pitches. You know, getting to the um, you know the holy grail, right? The full size waves, and that takes a lot of capital. Um, so we we had a you know we met a lot of investors, and we had some with very high interests, but um, we've also been seeking out the right partners. So there were some that we you know ourselves somewhat turned down. Um, and held out for finding the right partner. So they're pretty, pretty difficult decisions to make when there's a big, you know, carrot hanging in front of you, right? But um, we're in the long haul, and, and we've got an amazing partner now here in Phoenix. And you know, I'd never trade uh, lost time for the group we have now. Oh, excellent! Well, that's so true, though. I think you know, choosing choosing money is, is as you say, it's really difficult, but it's uh, it's imperative, isn't it? It is. It's really important, you know. And and ironically, the the final pitch, we'll call it, wasn't a pitch at all, right? So that's the ironic part of it because it was a random discussion on the basketball court uh, with my friend Cole Cannon. So we've, uh, you know, he and I have always had a good competitive rivalry on the court, have a lot of fun playing, and, um, and you know, now we've just taken that energy uh, together right into development. Um, so it's, it's hard to call it work when it's making waves and it's doing it with friends. Um, yeah. So it's it was definitely worth the wait. So does that mean you're working on a full size wave right now? Uh, we are. So we've got a development that we're working on in Mesa, Arizona, and it'll be at a, a the development is called Cannon Beach, um, and we are working on our first full deployment uh, and modeling uh, that will be at Cannon Beach, and it will be Revel Surf Parks. Excellent. That sounds exciting. Can you say anything more about that? Yeah, definitely. It's um, so the the surf park here. Um, it's in Mesa. The city is on board with us. They approved the facility and the development. So now we're going through, uh, you know, fine tuning all of the details. It's it's an incredible amount of work to pull off a, a large development like this. Uh, just the all of the engineering that goes into it, and the civil and underground, uh, the buildings and architecture. Um, and matching all of these things up with the different, you know, governmental requirements that you have for a public water facility. Um, so it's so it's, it's totally government-owned land, right? Uh, this is uh, private. It is private-owned land. So our group owns the land outright, and um, 
but we still have to being in the Phoenix area here, you, you know, you got water rights to deal with and, and usage rights and just city requirements for development and design and all those different components that, uh, come into a project that align the project with the city. Um, and that's what they're looking for ultimately, right? They want to, they want to make sure the project fits with their overall development plans. Okay, um, right. So we're working through a lot of those things now. And so how big is the, is the, um, is the whole park? Uh, the whole park is just over about 30 acres. So it's going to be, it's going to be an amazing facility and Rebel Surf Park, the, the Rebel Surf Park will be at the heart of it. Um, but the whole facility will have, uh, you know, it's a work, stay and play uh, type of atmosphere. So there'll be over the full project, you know, there'll be a, a great hotel to stay There'll be gym, so you can get your fitness in. You've got the surf park, of course, and, and beach park around it, different amenities, and then other uh, dining and retail and that will surround it. And we've, we've been focusing really heavy on just making every point in the development have a great view into the lagoon and the beach and just giving everybody that, that excitement around, you know, around water and around waves. Excellent. You mentioned work. Would that be like a co-working environment or, or sort of just office rental? You know, with, with COVID going on right now, it's, it's hard to say exactly how all the details will pan out. But we are designing into the, into the uh, design a office, you know, office buildings and office space. So how that eventually pans out in the very end will be interesting. Um, but ideally... Ideally, what we were looking for for that is, uh, a, you know, co-working type office space. So you know, we want to give people and locals here the ability to go work and play. Right. So it's that feeling, you know, like if you worked in a building in La Jolla, you could jet down to the coast, you know, to the beach in five, ten minutes and get a surf in and then get back to work, uh, you know, an atmosphere like that. I know. I hesitate to say that's the dream, but I mean, that's what I try and do every day. I mean, I go down to the beach, have a surf and then come back to work, but I live 25 minutes away from my work. So it's a bit difficult, you know, but that'd be perfect. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of time, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. I think time, time is probably our, that's our most precious resource for each of us is, uh, is, is our time. And it is, it's hard, you know, if you got to take a 30 minute drive to the coast by the time you suit up and surf and, you know, get your, get your count of waves and get back to the office, um, it's quite a bit of time. So if we can, you know, if we can make that, um, advantageous for people and allow them to pop out of their office, of course, in Phoenix in the summer, no need to suit up, you know, just wear your shorts, <laughs> top, but, yeah, that's hot. you know, in the winter, we'll have a place for them to be able to suit up and store their gear. And, um, but yeah, be able to jump out of the office. If you got an hour break, you know, you could literally jump out of the office. You could go get 15, 20 waves and be back at your desk, um, which is really cool. Sounds like a fantastic project. Have you got any visuals of it? Uh, yeah, we do. So the, the full, um, acreage is almost complete with design. So I think in the near, in the near, in the next weeks here to keep your eyes peeled, uh, for Cannon Beach and Revel Surf Parks, um, in Phoenix, and you'll start to see some visuals of the, uh, of the facility, what it's going to look like, see our vision on paper, which is really exciting. Excellent. Right here on wavepoolmag.com. <laughs> uh, okay. yeah, absolutely. I'll send them to you. Definitely. 
Thanks. So should we just get back to the technology quickly? Because essentially, um, a lot of companies have positioned themselves as wave tech uh, providers. So like WaveGarden and uh, Surflex and American Wave Machines, etc. So could you explain your technology from soil manufacturing and how it's any different to Surflock, AWM, or even Endless Surf? Um, you know, it's great. It's really been great to see all the various surf waves and their own tech and their own spin. Um, so it's, it's been really fun to watch and see all these things coming out. You know, you got Waco, the Waco Park, and it's funky wedges that they're throwing. Um, I got absolutely destroyed on the, uh, the, the wedge wave <laughs> a few yeah. weeks ago. Um, you know, Surf Lakes in Australia is throwing out some massive, uh, massive waves. That's really fun to watch. And I, I think for me, it, it reminds me of watching, you know, through what, mid-90s, early 90s, just new skate parks start to show up and be built. And, you know, all with their own features and creative spins. So you had some that were focused like more on street and rails, others that were focused on fun lines and, and flow. And then you had parks with some gnarly features um, that are like for the uh, most elite, you know, only can ride up. And so I think for swell manufacturing, we keep the nuts and bolts of the of our system still under wraps and, until we showcase full scale. You'll see on our website, we don't have much information out there, which is by design. Um, but our output is is similar to, and you can compare it to a groundswell. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really energy coming from the floor on up through the top of the wave. And that energy then compressing and jacking up and detonating along a reef bank. Um, so we've, we've worked hard to take you know, what we enjoy and, and love about nature and put that into, you know, a compressed lagoon or pool. And the, sorry, just a quick question about the wave itself. Is it going to be very similar to what's what's out there right now or is it going to be streets very, very different? Um, it'll, our, our wave will mimic an ocean wave. So it, it'll be, it'll be, feel very comfortable, I think, to anybody that's, um, you know, surfing in the ocean. Um so, you know, we can, our wave uh, types, we, we'll be able to tweak our wave types and the wave. So basically we'll have an endless ability to adjust and modify swell direction, uh, velocity, pitch, and create all different types of waves. Um, I think in our modeling, you know, our, our greatest challenge we've had is really keeping ourselves from getting too excited about the end, endless and countless options because, you know, more than a few times we've sidetracked ourselves as we're planning to make one type of wave. And, you know, all of a sudden Shane will be like, oh, what if we did this? You know, and we're like, oh, let's try it. And so we'll, uh, you know, we'll, we'll throw all these crazy waves. And it's a fun part of the creative process, I suppose, but uh, often sidetracking us. But, you know, we, we made some uh, amazing winners through that process that we never expected and others not so good, you know, and put them in the garbage. But um, sure. I, I, think the, I think the key to our wave is that it travels away from the wave maker rather than alongside of it. So that's probably one differentiator from certain systems that are out there. Um, many of them like um, American Wave Machines and, and Slater, you know, their wave travels along the wave maker. Um, ours will be more similar to like surf lakes and wave lock. And, um, I don't know a lot about endless surf yet. I think theirs is more going to run along the wave maker. At least it looks like from their first renderings. Um, 
but ours ours will be running away from the wave maker so it'll you know we wanted to have that real ocean feel experience um we wanted to replicate the experience in the field but you know we know we can't replace it definitely don't want to not our goal to replace it right we want to add um yeah i how about cost cost yeah no cost is yeah that's definitely the uh, next big question right um Mm -hmm. so one of the things that we have with our power mechanism is we uh, avoid the use of peak power which is really important to us in a commercial setting you know moving water uh, it's heavy and it takes a lot of power so those those peak powers are very challenging uh, especially when you look at power grids, they don't like that. When you have big surges of power, they want you to be running a, an even power use. So um, we've we've used uh, power technology that allows us to run a, a constant power and, and basically charge up for those big releases. That's interesting. Um, so, I mean, would you be pulling about five megawatts or two or three or four? How many megawatts would it pull? Um, so our, our system will run about 450 horsepower is what we're running. So it's, it's a, a very efficient, it's a very efficient system. Uh, you could probably compare it to, you know, maybe running a, a, a wakeboard boat in a way or something. Um, so pretty, pretty efficient. Uh, again, you know, moving water, it likes a lot of power. Sustainability is important to us. Um, so we've we've worked really hard over the years to uh, identify that way to you know make sure we play nice in the sandbox with everybody right power companies will like us um, we're not going to cause them problems we're going to keep the power down which keeps the peak power down which keeps you know peak costs down for um, for developing the systems and, and building them and you know we want to make sure they're viable for the long haul. But uh, getting back to cost, I mean, like if I go over to Wave Garden, for example, or somebody, and uh, I'm probably going to have to throw down about $20, $30 million or something for a proper surf park. Um, is it, is it, are you going to be any different? Are you going to be more or less the same kind of pricing if you want to do a complete wave park? Um, so we're going to be, you know, we'll be very competitive to that. And, um, you know, our goal was to look at, we're looking at, uh, you know, lagoon size, water management, power management, and then cost of the wave maker and taking all of those components into consideration. Uh, a, lo- a lot of the detail, I think, that gets lost when you, we look at surf parks is looking at, you look at that total cost to install and, and develop, but there's also that running and operating cost. You know, it costs a lot of money to manage and uh, manage water use and to clean it and filter it and all of those different things. So um, our, our uh, park we're building here in, in uh, Mesa, it'll, it'll be a, just under about two acres um, in the lagoon. So, you know, we're really working to manage our, manage our water use and volumes, um, but provide, you know, a great like 10, you know, 10 or so second wave. Um, so that's our, that's our goal is to look at, you know, we're looking at all those different components because um, each one of them is critically important. Absolutely. Yeah. Just out of interest, I see you've got designed and manufactured in the United States at the bottom of your website. Is that a thing you have to do because Trump's so against non-US enterprises in the USA, or is it just a patriotic thing? You know, it's um, I, I guess not really either of them. <laughs> yeah, what what meeting would be uh, you know uh, worthwhile to listen to without the Trump in it right now, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so we got to put him in there, but. Um, 
you know, it's not really, it's, I, I think it, it just felt right to us to keep things close to home. And it's something we just wanted to do. Um, you know, markets are always changing and, and will continue to, and based on leadership changes over time, you know, that'll, that'll change as well, right? It'll, it'll adjust. And for us, we, we designed our system to be highly competitive in cost, regardless of where we uh, decide to manufacture it. So, in all, we wanted to focus our efforts and infuse energy and jobs into the economy where we are. Um, and, you know, that and to uh, maintain high control over our system and fabrication uh, and development of it. So, you know, we can have a high touch and um, provide high quality. Excellent. So would you entertain any projects um, um, from around the, around the world? Uh, yeah, you know, I think... Um, our focus at, at initially here is in the U.S. We're here. That's where we want to be. It's where we want to surf. Um, but um, I think from there, we'll look for, you know, key projects and the right partners um, that we want to work with and in those great locations. I think our goal is less is more in a way. Um, so finding those real unique you know, unique locations and opportunities um, to bring our wave to, to more around the world, I think would be a really great and cool thing. Um, and I, I suppose we'll have uh, a lot of decisions to make at that time as to what we do there. You know, if, if we're to develop a park in Europe, do we um, produce our, you know, equipment in Europe as well, right? Support the economy where we're, where we're building. I think in a perfect world, that's what I, I see and would love to do, right? If we're building a park near you, Nick, you know, I, I want to, I want to put people to work on that, on that park and on that, uh, on that job that are going to benefit from it. Um, Absolutely. That's it's the right thing to do, isn't it? It's the right thing. It's the right thing to do, you know, and we, um, we, we take onto ourselves a lot of that just trust in the market that, you know, when companies start, they have a responsibility, whether it's uh, self-set or not, is I think irrelevant. Um, but we take those things to heart. You know, our surf culture is important to us um, and we want to drive that in the right direction. Yeah, and I think there's a danger of um, a lot of people mixing water parks with surf parks. And I don't think that the general surfing population are going to react so well to that, although and we're looking at Shane Magnuson in uh, the Palm Springs Surf Club, and they're doing it in an old water park. So that's kind of a mix. But I, I've, traditionally, I've thought that you cannot mix a water park and a surf park because of the vibe is totally different. You know, what do you feel about that? Yeah, it it, it is very different. Um, it's kind of uh, interesting if you look at going back to our conversation earlier about Big Surf and Tempe, right? Um, yeah, it, it's it's pretty remarkable place because that park was made in the late sixties and opened, I think early seventies and it was a surf park. I mean, it was a sand beach. It was waves. It was surf. They were holding concerts, you know, Pink Floyd was playing there, the chili peppers. I mean, it was like, it was, it's so old school, right? But it was like everything to do with surf and surf culture in, in a way, in its own, in its own way being, um, in, you know, in, in the desert. And um, it was on the outskirts of town, you know, it had all those, how those details of that vibe. And in the mid 80s, uh, a water park developer came in and leased the land from the owners. And in my opinion, now just destroyed it from what it was. Um, they yeah. turned it into a water park. Um, and eventually that 
cut the surfing completely. Um, and when you go there today, it's, you know, it's just not the same, right? It, it's a different vibe. It's a completely different vibe. So, um, I think as soon as you start to mix slides and thrill type entertainment with surf, then that's where you start to lose that vibe. Um, so it's, it's an interesting question, right? To see what we'd see, but I think there was a good example in it with big surf. Yeah. What about Disney? Have you surfed um, the Typhoon Lagoon? I haven't been in Typhoon Lagoon. Um, you know, I know some that have surfed it and, and had a, a great time, had a, had a blast. So uh, I hear it's really fun. I'd love to surf it and try it. I guess it's kind of a mix as well, isn't it? It's, a water, it's basically a water park with after-hour surfing like Siam and, and uh, the Canary Islands. Yeah, and I, and I think, um, you know, I think that's where you'll always see, I, I think we'll always see that the case at those type of facilities where surfing is an afterthought because surfers are everywhere and we just want to get wet. <laughs> we just want to catch some waves, you know? Um, and so I think, you know, in, in places like that, we'll always see, um, you know, their, their money-making machine is off of the masses, right? And it's filling that pool of swimmers and bobbers. Um, mm -hmm. but we're as surfers, we're pretty demanding, right? About waves. We want waves. So we seem to find ways to get into those parks, you know, and, and push those owners to, uh, have some surfing hours and that, or, you know, lease them out, rent them out and those type of things. But yeah, I, I think those places will always be, there'll be water parks that have surf, um, you know, versus a, a surf park and the, and the, the uh, surf vibe to them. Yeah, absolutely. So um, what's the strategy from now? I mean, you, obviously you've got Meza, which must be taking up a massive amount of your time. Um, do you have any other projects in the pipeline? And are you planning to to move out and branch out into more? So the it is, you know, the our focus definitely is laser laser focused on Mesa um, for our first project. And it's, uh, you know, we want to we make sure we get that right. So there's heavy focus on it. Um, I think the, you know, wave pool space is, has been pretty big on announcing projects and often well before they're funded or approved. And, um, you know, they get following locals get excited. They get, uh, they follow pretty quickly and jump, jump right on. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of times that's to raise capital. And, um, on the other hand, following city approval, the local, local media picks up on them pretty quick. Um, so for us, we're, you know, we've, we've got some other, um, intriguing options, for going beyond Mesa, but it's, you know, any of those are really still very early in the process and in, in review. So we're really, you know, our, our number one is kicking off Revel, um, you know, at Cannon Beach here in Mesa and um, just really laser focused. But that does bring up an interesting point because on wavepoolmag.com, we've got a, a map of all the surf parks in the world that have been announced. And, you know, I was chatting to Skip Taylor from, um, from surf park management the other day and he was saying you know what nick that your little map over there is like there's so many other projects out there which are under wraps and obviously we can only um we can only showcase what's out there and what's being publicized so it appears to me that it's the tip of the iceberg that there's actually a lot more being built you agree yeah i think there's 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 definitely a lot of underground stuff i mean i i think we're only scratching the surface um, with, with parks right now. And, um, if you can, if you can even say we're scratching the surface, right. Um, you know, I, I don't know how you could keep up 
keep up with it. You guys are amazing. <laughs> but you just try to <laughs> track all these projects and which ones are real, which ones are an idea. You know, I get a lot of inquiries of uh, from surfers for the most part, and some surfer developers. You know that that have interest, but haven't really delved into it yet. Um, but it, you know these projects, yeah, they take they take years in the making. There's a lot of hoops to navigate. Um, so I, I commend you for your efforts to stay on top of it all. Um, I guess yeah, that's the hard question, right? Is which ones are real, which ones are, are not yet real and could be, and which ones are an idea. Hmm, exactly. Obviously, it's a massive task to try and compete with the likes of Wave Garden um, and now Endless Surf from Whitewater and American Wave Machines and the like. Does that, um, does that concern you at all? Not really. Um, I, I think obviously, you know, you watch, you always watch your competitors and, um, you know, they watch us, we watch them. We're all aware of each other. Um, we're, we're probably right now one of the smaller fish in that realm as we're, you know, just getting going. Uh, some ways I like to not be the first, you know, there's things you learn, but, um, I think, I think in all the various wave companies have the same goal in mind, right. And it's spreading of, of the surf stoke, um, you know, in chatting with many of the creators and developers with Parks Open Now, like everyone's so passionate about what we all do. And that's really fun. Um, just had great conversations, even though we're essentially competitors, right? Um, I think swell manufacturing is in a unique position because we'll, we'll be able to deliver both on wave technology and then also do so within our own surf park development as we roll Cannon Beach. So that's really exciting because, you know, we get to take our wave and place it within a development we planned for a total experience. So that that's still somewhat uh, quite surreal, you know, for me, uh, seeing this whole vision that I've had for so many years, um, you know, come down on paper. Uh, you know, I, I think others others will see this, you know, we'll, we'll build, a, you know, Revel at Cannon Beach and others will come and it'll probably seem like it happened overnight. Right. And, you know, for me, it's been this long journey, you know, of um, so many pitfalls and failures to figure out uh, what was right. But um, I think I think overall, each surf park is going to be unique based on its you know location, its wave, the developer's vision. And in a way, you know, visiting different surf parks will, I think, sim be similar to traveling to surf destinations, right? And, and wanting to surf different breaks and different waves. It's certainly exciting times and it must be super exciting for you and also for the whole industry. It's incredible because uh, things are changing so fast now. But just the final question that I have for you is uh, I interviewed Greg Weber or I had a chat with Greg Weber from Australia and, and he's convinced that we'll have an oversupply of surf in the future due to a mix of surf pools, artificial reefs and, and other types of wave machines. Do you agree with that? Gosh, that's pretty, it's pretty tough to say. It's a tough question. Um, yeah, I think I think we've we've yet to see uh, an artificial reef in the ocean that really works yet. Um, gosh, the ocean is so unforgiving and unpredictable, right? Um, I, I think that's a really difficult feat. And you know, even as a creator of surf parks, I, it's debatable to me if we should be messing with our oceans in the first place. Um, you know, that who knows what kind of repercussions that brings in the long run, but. Um, I think yeah. for pools in the mar I think for pools the the market will dictate. Um, you know, I look at so far like we certainly have still have an undersupply of skate parks. Uh, you know, they're always packed and always full. Half the time I go to a skate park and uh, you just fight to get 
run your lines, <laughs> you know, cause there's crisscross going everywhere. So I, I don't know that surf parks are all that different other than, you know, they're obviously more uh, difficult to develop and, and to operate and the costs are higher. And then the cost to use them is of course higher than the, you know, skate skate parks. Um, I think it'll be an interesting and it, it'll be fun to see what happens over time. But um, I, I think the market will take care of it over time. Yeah, it's an exciting industry to be in. And um, Matt, I just want to wish you all the best of luck. And thank you so much for coming on and spending the time with us here at Wavepool Mag Podcast. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Appreciate to be on and be with you. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to next steps. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll keep you posted. So yeah, when's it opening in Mesa? When do you reckon? Um, ideally, I think 2022. Uh, so we, we've got a lot of work to do. So while we've got all kinds of steam behind us, um, it takes a lot of effort. So probably 2022, I think uh, that's a realistic number. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be there. That'd be great. Hopefully COVID <laughs> done and, uh, everything's great. And, uh, Nick, you can, you know, come, come visit for the grand opening. So free, free ticket for you. <laughs> awesome. Thanks. I'll remember that. <laughs> All right. It's on, it's on video, right? So it's recorded. So you can yeah. do it. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Matt. All right. Thank you, Nick. Amazing. For your curiosity and stoke.